Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome back to Candidate Confessional. I'm Sam Stein. And I'm Jason Cherkis. And Sam, on this episode, we have a pretty different candidate. Exactly. So in our two-party system, often there's a third-party candidate that likes to... Okay. Christine, hold on. Just uh, cut, cut the music for a second. Are you about to confess something? <laughs> well played. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's... I think we should be upfront about uh, the background, uh, the backstory of this episode. So... About a year ago, when Jason and I were just sort of starting to conduct interviews for the podcast, we sat down with Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico. Well, we didn't actually sit down with him. He called in from Skype, but it might as well have been from another planet. Exactly. A very distant <laughs> Very planet. distant planet. So at the time, Johnson is um, he's coming off of his 2012 uh, Republican primary run, where I got to say he was kind of largely unnoticed. Barely registered, except for one moment where he made a joke about dog shit and everyone went crazy. Literally, his biggest moment was a joke about dog shit. So we didn't really know what to make of it all. So at points in the interview, uh, I thought Johnson was funny, to be honest, but I didn't know if it was intentionally funny or not. And then there were other times when it seemed deeply serious. And I have to admit, there were times where I thought it was kind of depressing. So we just sat on the interview, basically resigned to not running it. And then suddenly there was Johnson back in the news. (laughs) Yes. So Donald Trump, secures the GOP nomination, and we have a bunch of Republican voters who are now looking for a more consistently conservative alternative. And lo and behold, there's Gary Johnson again, vying for the Libertarian Party nod. And so with the campaign sort of shaping up like this, we figured it was at least worthwhile to release the interview as a public service. So please, dear listener, sit back and enjoy Gary Johnson's long shot, deeply quirky 2012 Republican campaign. Beyond the bluster. Behind the bunting. Past the posters. After the ads. The campaign picks up. And the motorcade moves on. What happens when the votes are counted? And democracy doesn't go your way. This is Candidate Confessional, a HuffPost podcast. I'm Sam Stunn. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm Sam Stein. And I'm Jason Cherkis. And we approve this podcast. 
describe that first strategy session uh, when you sat down and you charted out how it was going to work. Well, basically, we, uh, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of traveling, have to get name ID up. Uh, the idea that uh, uh, that I would do endless uh, radio interviews because those weren't going to cost anything and uh, those were easy to come by. Um, and that uh, we'd build up... Uh, Build up the name and uh, my pledge that, uh, hey, um, you guys, I'll, I'll pledge that you can't wear me out. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and put me to sleep wet every single night and I won't complain. And I did uh, I did stick with that through the whole through the whole process. Now, in retrospect, it turns out that about 90 percent of the time that I spent running for president uh, in 2012, and I'm talking now about, you know, that that three-year period running for president that uh, 90% of the time I spent doing it ended up to be wasted time. Now, you don't, <laughs> now you don't know that when you're doing it, but in retrospect, uh, you, can, you can absolutely say that that's the case. Well, what was the, what was the 90% like? What were the, the things that you remember that were complete waste of time looking back on it? Looking back on it, internet radio. And there is exception to internet radio, uh, but for the most part, it was just a complete waste of time. The notion that I had that the interviewer was uh, was a uh, mid forty year old in his underwear in the basement <laughs> conducting the interview, uh, and that the only person listening, the only persons listening, were his parents uh, the next floor up. So I probably spent. A solid three months, and I mean 24/7 on internet radio over a three-year period, and it was it was just horrible. Another <laughs> example is is that is that when people have skin in the game. So okay, so we get a call. Hey, there's going to be five thousand people at this event. Uh, we'd like you to be there. Great, we go there. Well, you know, five thousand was intended, or five hundred was intended. And there's 12 people that show up. Was there one event uh, in particular that was, you know, particularly depressing? Oh, one of one of the events was a tea party event in, um, and I, I'm, South Carolina, and uh, 5,000 people were supposed to be there, and they were saying that they were going to make me the keynote of this whole event, and go to the event, and the event starts. Oh, I don't know, nine, ten in the morning. There are going to be twenty-six speakers, and I'm the twenty-sixth speaker. And this was, and this was because they were saying that I was going to really be the the headliner. Well, it's a hot day, and you can just see. Uh, I think there were five thousand plus at the beginning of the event, uh, but by the time it got to me, there were probably a few hundred. And the few hundred were totally wilted, Aye. and I had I had to sit through that whole thing, and it was just um, well, it was horrible. It was just horrible. Can we talk about the fundraising elements of this? The, were there a group of big donors who, you know, whether they believed in legalizing marijuana or they just you know down the line libertarians who uh, gravitated to your campaign, and, and if they they did, what what would those conversations be like? Well, uh, I, I think there was a, uh, uh, f first of all, 
it, it was all wait and see. And not that I didn't have some very generous uh, contributors and very grateful for all that. But there was this whole notion of wait and see. And then being excluded from the debates was really yeah. the... Uh, was really the killer. They would set criterion for the debates uh, being at 2% in A, B, C, and D polls. Well, if your name didn't appear in three of the four polls that they identified that you had to be at 2%, that means you had to be at 8% in the one poll that you did show up uh, in. Governor, let me ask you about those debates, because uh, it seemed to be like a, a major component of the campaign. Um, when you were included you wouldn't get that much time. You would get something like four minutes in a two-hour debate. Uh, and so I'm wondering, you know, I, I have no idea what this is like, uh, but you're sitting there, you're on stage, and you're just waiting to talk. Uh, what goes through your mind as you wait? Do you ever, did you ever, like, daydream or anything? Well, no, and, and uh, I, uh, I don't know about you guys, but when you appear in one of these debates, yeah, there's this whole, oh, my gosh, you know, this is going to be in front of millions of people, and then in the last Florida debate that I appeared in, here it is. I mean, I, I pulled the, uh, the dog shit uh, comment uh, <laughs> out of my ass. Two dogs have created more shovel-ready jobs than this current administration. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, how, given my four minutes or whatever the amount of time was that I had, how could I have done anything... I was the most Googled name on the planet for two days after that debate. <laughs> and, and after that debate, uh, CNN, for the first time, included me in their every other week national poll. For the huh. first time. And in that poll, I was uh, tied with Kane. I was ahead of Huntsman. Uh, I was ahead of Santorum. And they had a, CNN had a debate coming up in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was the last time that my name appeared in their biweekly national poll, or excuse me, every other week national poll. Uh, that was the last time that my name appeared in that poll. I was not invited to the next debate, and there was no explanation given whatsoever. I'm just kind of curious as to when, in the, when you launched, since you launched the campaign, did you realize the media was going to treat you as a, um, you know, marginal candidate or write you off as um, an impossibility? How soon did you realize that you were going to have to um, overcome that? that? That first debate, when the first debate was, was called out and, uh, uh, and here it was, um, I was not being invited and uh, I was the first one to announce. I'd sp I spent more time in New Hampshire uh, uh, other than uh, Buddy Romer. Uh, I spent more time in New Hampshire than anybody else. I, you know, my, my partner and I, Kate, we rode 500 miles across New Hampshire over a five-day period, you know, uh, as, as kind of a campaign deal. And during that process, uh, I want to say that uh, Ron Paul, national news, that he rode around a lake on his bicycle. <laughs> uh, uh and we, were, and we rode 100 miles a day for five days. And, you know, the notion was, you know, what do you have to do? What do you have to do to get some uh, attention around here? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The launch of the campaign um, in New Hampshire. You announce on... uh, April 21st, I think, something like that. And then you, you, you decide to go climb a mountain after you, after you launch your candidacy. Why did you climb a mountain? Well, that was in New Hampshire. That was Tuckerman's Ravine. You know, that's considered to be an extreme deal in New Hampshire. And that's what I do. Uh, and we went up there on a day that was just horrible day. Apparently, there had been 2,500 people up there the day before. You know, nice, sunny, warm day. We go up, winds blowing, I don't know, 50 miles an hour plus. Uh, the, the snow is boilerplate. I mean, we fall on the, on the climb and we're down to the bottom. Just the notion of trying to bring attention to the fact that this is my life. This is what I do. Yeah, it's a, it's a stunt to try and bring attention to the fact that this guy climbed Mount Everest. Well, tell, I, tell, us, tell us about that climb. You brought a journalist along, and it seemed like they couldn't handle it. There was one journalist that, I think, bailed out at a certain point. No, he, he, he hung in there, and, and I knew him, I, I him priorly. Uh, he hung in there, but, you know, these guys are like, what the fuck? I mean, this is, <laughs> this is serious. This is, this is serious. We're going up there. We should have had crampons on, but we didn't have crampons. And actually, uh, uh, the journalist, Nick, uh, I believe he did put his crampons on. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was extreme. And then just to... <laughs> <laughs> to shift or to go down another is, call just putting uh, just putting crampons on mean that did you think less of him oh no not okay. at all i wished i would have brought crampons i mean <laughs> I, I i i man that was the that was the perfect thing to have and you know life would have been a lot uh seems like this mountain was sort of a metaphor for your campaign you encountered heavy winds pretty early on yeah, well, you know that was that's Mount Washington, Tuckerman's Ravine, and it's it's considered to be, you know, one of these must must climb spots for uh, uh, <laughs> for skiing. And, and this is what I do. Uh, I, I mean, I live near Taos. Uh, I ski a hundred days a season. I'm not here by mistake. This is you know this is where where I've ended up. But we got to the bottom. When we got to the bottom, none of us were hurt. I said, well, should we do it again? Because I'll tell you, on a normal day, if it would have been the day before, uh, this is something that I would have done a half a dozen times. I'd have, I'd have climbed up this thing a half a dozen times. But I said, should we do it again? And everybody looks at me and says, uh, no. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, you guys are right. <laughs> we are really fortunate 
to all be here in one piece. It, it, Governor, it did seem like you you did a lot of sort of, I don't want to call it extreme sports, but it was kind of extreme sports on this campaign trail. It's almost as if you, you got in better shape by campaigning, which goes against conventional wisdom. Well, I, I didn't get in better shape as a result of <laughs> campaigning, but, but this is what I do. So I am in really good shape. And, and another example of the in-shape part is, do you remember when, um, uh, when uh, Romney uh, uh, um, makes um, his, his VP candidate, uh, Ryan? Yeah, Paul Ryan. Uh, Paul Ryan. They ask him the question about the marathon. You know, well, uh, you know, hey, you're a, you're a marathoner. How fast have you run? Have you run a sub-three-hour marathon? Well, uh you know, Ryan says, well, yeah, I did. And it turns out that he actually was a four-hour marathon. Well, then, then they come out and they do this analysis of everybody that was running for president that cycle and actually all the politicians that had ever run for president and who had the fastest marathon time. Well, guess whose name was excluded? And guess who would have been the fastest marathoner by an hour? I ran a, I ran a 248 marathon. And they, they don't even report on it. Yeah, but you don't know how fast uh, Herman Cain ran his marathon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there was a zero on Herman Cain. And I don't think Herman uh, you ran think a marathon. Ran and I know you're being funny, yeah. but... It, but Probably but, had a nine in it. <laughs> yeah, he ran it in nine, nine, nine point nine nine nine. Getting back to that, those early days, when you after you climbed the mountain, what was it like introducing yourself to voters? And like, especially since you did have, as you had mentioned earlier, you know, kind of a, I mean, not a lot of name recognition. So, what were the ways that you tried to introduce yourself to voters? And yeah, what were those conversations like? Well, with, it was it was the same the same phenomenon when I ran for governor of New Mexico. Uh, I'd never run for politi- I'd never run for political office prior to running for governor of New Mexico. I mean, never even pounded in a campaign sign. Here it is. I hit the trail, and everybody that I come across um, appears as though they're going to vote for me. Uh, and and really that. So running for president of the United States, it was the same thing. Everybody that I come across appears as though they're going to vote for me. They love what I have to say. Holy cow, you're echoing exactly what it is that I'm thinking. But I'm talking to 11 people. I'm talking to 11 people, and it's just not going to happen if, if you're going to talk to 11 people. I, I remember doing this uh, this boat ride uh, across New Hampshire. We, I mean, it was on a lake. You had to p- be paying for it. And I don't know, there are like three, 400 people on board. And the whole ship is waiting for huntsmen to arrive. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was just so preordained. Everything was so preordained. Um, you know, that, that was... Um, it was just a, a big reality check. I, I think the warmest greeting that I got on the whole boat was from John Huntsman. Let me ask you about um, your relationship with marijuana. Uh, you became sort of defined as the pot candidate, for better or worse. Um, what was the moment that you realized that that was sort of how you were going to be characterized? Well, I recognize that from the onset. And I have always viewed the marijuana question uh, as a litmus test for having a brain. 
if this is what this guy is saying about marijuana, then what is he saying about all these other issues? Because what he's saying about marijuana is true. And for a non-believer, for somebody that wants to implement the death penalty uh, for smoking marijuana, look, I I talked to that person. Um, That person is in a group that I'm talking to. Uh, I think that that person goes away from that uh, uh, from that encounter by thinking, okay, maybe not the death penalty. Nobody moves from the death penalty to legalizing it, but my experience has been everybody moves on the issue, and my experience is is that okay, this is what he's saying about pot. What's he saying about everything else? But did people come up to you uh, because you had this sort of this label attached to you as the pot candidate? Were you getting people in New Hampshire or elsewhere coming up to you wanting to, you know, engage you on, on marijuana or even smoke with you? Oh, I always get that. But, uh, <laughs> but, by, but by engage, just, um, I think... So wait, people would actually come up and say, hey, you want to go smoke a joint? Absolutely. I get that all the time. Did I'd be so did, honored if you'd go smoke a joint with me. Did you ever take them up on it? No, I mean, the, look, I'm, I'm working hard to make sure that you can do that. I'm flattered that you would ask, but that's not something that I, that, you know, I take part in. Yeah. Uh, did, did you try to avoid the label at all? I mean, I know we talked no, about the date. No, uh-uh. We, are we no, were reading this Outside Magazine piece, though, about the, about the date of your launch. And uh, they, in, the, in the piece, they say that the druggy overtones of 420 were, you know, were present, that you, when you announced on April 21st, they implied it was because you didn't want to announce on 420. <laughs> I forgot reading that, but no, that was never. <laughs> no, that was not anything planned. Maybe we should have done it that way. Let me ask you about uh, Willie Nelson. Um, apparently he was going to endorse you, and it makes sense, obviously, uh, for his position on legalizing marijuana. And then he didn't. Uh, he went and he endorsed Dennis Kucinich, I believe. What's the backstory there? Well, I, I think that, uh, first of all, he did, and then apparently he didn't, and then he did. So um, I think that he, uh, that, that our common denominators were uh, uh, marijuana and uh, military intervention, and, um, uh, and then he probably got he probably got some backlash over, well, this is a guy who wants to uh, balance the federal budget. And what does that mean? And doesn't that mean poor people are going to be out on the street? Uh, and doesn't that mean that people are going to starve to death? I'm just guessing. But my understanding is it was on again, off again, on again. You ever talked to him? Yeah, we went and, uh, we went and, visit, I went and visited with him and we went and did uh, a concert, meaning uh, we went back, we went into his, uh, into his RV before the concert and... Um, and yeah, it was fun. It was fun. You obviously were, uh, you know, low on cash, uh, to put it kindly. Um, read the GQ article about you staying in the O'Connell Lodge Inn in Manchester, which I've stayed in. And yeah, that, that yeah. is a, that is a, uh, how do we put this kindly? That's not a great place to stay. Um, what other measures would you take to preserve money? How were you frugal as a, as a candidate? Well, I, I got it down to the, I, I, I did ca- carry on luggage. 
I mean, and it had to do with the fact that it was going to be 50 bucks for the, you know, to put my bag through. So I got it down to where I could be out on the road for two weeks with carry-on, carry-on baggage. And uh, in New York, um, I ha- Victor Niederhofer puts me up when I'm in New York, and uh, it's a great place to stay. I don't, I don't use cabs. I, I walk everywhere. And you walk everywhere in New York? Everywhere in New York. Now, uh, well, and then you ride, and then I ride the subway. And and don't get, please, don't, don't. Sometimes you got to take that cab because you know that you you think that that's going to be the fastest way to do it. And I'm not as adept at the subways as I should be. But hey, when time allowed, and I had to get from uh, the Upper West Side down to uh, Lower Manhattan, yeah, I'd do the subway if I had the time. Did you pack a lunch? Did you you know? figure out ways to be cheap on the road that way? Well, I I didn't travel with an entourage. I mean, oftentimes it was just with me. My son came on board and uh, and did the... My son came and did this for two years without getting paid a cent and not not expecting a cent. I mean, he quit his well-paying job and came and did this because he just thought that this was an opportunity that that he could not pass up. So... Here it is. It's it's me and Eric, and uh, and then you know back to money. I mean, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I stuck that card in, and uh, and there were no funds available, and I understood that whole phenomenon. Well, in goes my credit card, and okay, that's just you know this is these are the tens of thousands of dollars of costs that I'm going to pick up for doing this. And then what was it like traveling with, with your son? I mean, it was almost like, in a way, a road trip. So, I mean, how did you explain the process to him, or did he have questions to you about your campaign? Did you, uh, you know, what was that like? Well, he was so value-added. I mean, Eric is just so value-added. So he was, you know, we were both busy. He was always on the phone. He, you know, the, the ability to multitask. He, he can do 12 things at one time, and he was always doing 12 things at one time. And, uh, and there was, so there was a lot of pressure on him, and, uh, and I just thought he did terrifically. So we, we were never twiddling our thumbs. I got to go back to the debate line about, um, about dog shit. Um, after it was uh, after you uttered it, there were a lot of news reports that it was not yours that you had taken it from somewhere else. What was the origin of the line? The origin of the line was was that uh, one of the uh, one of the AM radio uh, shows in New Mexico, the most listened to AM radio show, Jim Villanucci. Uh, he knows that uh, that I'm in the debate that evening, and so he has a call in. Uh, what's some witty lines that I can fire off to Gary uh, that he might be able to use tonight? And so apparently they spent the whole afternoon, you know, the call-in in New Mexico on these witty lines. Well, he sends me an email, and there are about, there are about 20 witty things that, uh, that I might say, and the dog shit line really caught me. I mean, I thought it was really funny. So... It's one thing to have that, you know, to have that litany of 20 things, you know, in your mind. And then it's another thing, I, I say, to pull it out of your ass when, when you're up there. I mean, 
And I'm giving myself a lot of credit here for pulling it off. I mean, I didn't stumble on it, and uh, and I wasn't fixated on saying anything prior to going in there. But hey, whoa! There, I I, I can spring. I think I can spring this, and so I'm writing it down also as uh, uh, as they're moving forward to me. And and I delivered it. Uh, I like I say, I was pretty proud of myself. Was that the high point of the campaign? No, no. <laughs> I mean. A witty line about dog shit that that uh, y- you know this is this is my I mean the the humorous part about it was was that you know I was getting called from everywhere and this is and I'm like to those around me I'm like God what what is the world that when you utter a witty line about dog shit that now all of a sudden you have attention I mean come on come on you appeared at a lot of uh, interesting conventions and, and tournaments, the Koshkon convention, poker tournaments. Um, what was your favorite uh, thing to appear at? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if... Yeah, nothing, nothing sticks out. And, and well, descri- how about this? Describe the poker tournament. Where is the tournament? Why do you go there? What's it like when you show up? What do people say to you? You know, go through the, go through the minute by minute. Well, the background is is that all these guys in this poker tournament play poker. They play poker online, but now they can't play poker any, online anymore. I'm the only one that stands out and says, this is baloney. This is just baloney. This, they should be allowed to play online. So I show up, and everybody that I come in contact with, I mean, everybody I come in contact with ha- has great words to say. I, I mean, that was just kind of the, kind of the bottom line. But it was a poker tournament. These guys are involved in poker. They're all looking to win. So it's a poker tournament. Uh, could, they, could they really give a crap about, uh, uh, about the presidential candidate that's uh, walking? Or, not really. It's a poker tournament. Did you play? Uh, no. No. Why did you think that was a good, good use of your time then? If you, did, if you felt like, you know, looking back on it, they didn't really care about presidential politics. They cared about this one issue, but... You, you didn't get, I mean, was it, was it to try to stir a press coverage or, you know, what was, why go? Well, well the, the notion that uh, potentially this would have been a big way to raise funds that, uh, you know, given the fact that there were thousands of them at this tournament, uh, that, that in fact uh, they would have done this. And, and then right off the bat, uh, the, the, the host of the tournament, you know, the casino that it's at, uh, it's like they don't want me there. They don't want me there. They don't want me flying my. And I never fly, flew a banner anywhere. But uh, the, the bottom line point was was that this is the guy that supports online gaming, and we're a casino, and you know we don't want to have anything to do with this guy. This guy. This guy's. You know. Uh, this guy's getting in the way of our making money. And, um, and I felt that right off. So were there, were there like security guys or bouncers following you around trying to get you out of there? Uh, yes, just so that I didn't cross over the line of... Uh, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy to begin with, but they're used to the you know, typical politician that's going to go around shaking everybody's hand, and I'm not that guy. I, I never have been and I never will be, but... Nonetheless, they're there, and uh, you know what? It's, uh, it's you get, demeaning. It was demeaning. Did you get kicked out? It, you know, no, I didn't get kicked out, but I might as well have been kicked out. I mean, it was, it was just a slap in the face. 
if you were to, to run again, you had talked about sort of the 90% of, of waste of time. What would you do differently or, or what would you avoid this time or how would you prepare better going forward if you were to run again? Well, using that as an example, uh, that uh, I would have been paid to show up. Just to, my expenses would have been paid to show up at this poker tournament. And yeah, there were poker players that arranged this and there were, there were uh, um, poker people that arranged for me to be there because they saw me as, as being the most supportive of their entire industry. Well, up front, uh, they, could have, they could have put up some money for me to be there. And that would have ensured that uh, perhaps there was more uh, participation in the things that I was asked to participate in. Or at, le- or at least give you half their earnings, right? <laughs> well, I'd never never ask for that, but I, I get what you're saying, and I hope you get what I'm saying. I, I get a sense from, just from our interview that you're still frustrated by, by what happened. And, you know, what was, uh, you know... The, what were some of the more frustrating things, or just you mentioned something about learning about fairness and about being and about unfairness? Do you have a different sense of what America or what Americans are like now than bef- sort of before? Yes, before yes, this? I do, I do. It's 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 not a fair process. It's a manipulated process. That's the reality. Am I frustrated? Not so much frustrated as just um, you know I, I feel enlightened. I, I really do feel enlightened. Uh, it's the way the it's the way the game is played. And okay, all right, I'm I'm a good games player. I got to tell you guys, I'm a I'm a good chess player. I I, I really am. I'd I'd love to play Putin in chess. You know, uh, see how that turns out. Um, <laughs> Another, you know, I, I know I'm getting, uh, you know, windshield wiper here when it comes to interview, but, um, you know, we go to we go to Iowa, we do the ragbri across Iowa, and uh, and during the ragbri, there's, you know, there's uh, media reports about Romney's kids who are doing one leg of the ragbri. There's more coverage about his kids doing one leg of the ragbri than us riding ragbri every day. Um, is it frustrating? Um, well, then it was kind of frustrating. Is it frustrating now? Not really. It's just you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I have a I have a really good understanding of how the game is played, and and um, and it's not uh, it's not like we think it is. It's not like we're grown up to believe. It's not a fair process. That right there was Gary Johnson, the former governor of New Mexico, who was talking about his 2012 run for the White House. He is now exploring a libertarian bid in 2016. As always, a big thanks to Christine Canetta for editing the podcast, making it sound good. You can find Candidate Confessional on both iTunes and TheHuffingtonPost.com. You should tell basically everyone you know to subscribe to it. And then tune in next week when we have a truly special guest. We are bringing in Ron Klain. Al Gore's top advisor and lawyer who ran the 2000 recount in Florida. You are not going to want to miss that one. Till then, dear listener, happy trails. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.